We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. In the last episode, we bemoaned a you know, pretty disappointing one in three road trip in which the Lakers intensity level was noticeably low, but we are hopefully these are the last pods before LeBron comes back or, or soon thereafter. We're certainly on the precipice of, of his return. And so in this episode, we want to talk about the ramp up and what that ramp up we think will look like. Mike, we've got Sacramento and Toronto coming up. We uh, are, are at home, have a little homestand. And then uh, on the second night of that back-to-back, this is, these are the next four games after that. Denver, Clippers, at Portland, home versus Phoenix. So it's kind of this gauntlet of Western Conference opponents where if we are gearing up in that stretch for the playoffs and and hopefully knock on wood have LeBron back, that is uh, as good of a stretch to get the juices flowing as any. No question. I think that, you know, the Toronto and Sacramento games are those teams are so Sacramento is certainly not a good team. Uh, They are not playing particularly well right now. They are without De'Aaron Fox. But they're a team that would still love to give the Lakers an L, you know, so that it's not a team that if you're the Lakers, you can just look past. So I do think that they need to bring proper effort and intensity. But you could look at that game and then the Raptors coming in, who are a team that is that is playing a little better than they were. At least they've won six of ten. They got Lowry back. They got Van Vliet back. You know, that's that's a team that always seems to play well against the Lakers. So these are these are not exactly just tune up games. And I don't think the Lakers can see them as those for the Clippers, for Denver, for this, the opponents that they think they might see in the postseason. But I do think that and I hope that the Lakers use that 
that fourth quarter and particularly from AD as a way to uh, to really to really put the foot on the accelerator a little bit in anticipation of LeBron coming back. And we still don't know which game LeBron is going to come back at. Uh, Dennis Schroeder even didn't tell us specifically, which I thought he would after the last <laughs> game. Uh, he's been kind of the injury expert, it seems like, on LeBron. But I'm starting to look more at the seedings. And I know we'll get into this a little bit later in the podcast. But, you know, there for a while, and this is before the Lakers lost the back-to-back games against the Mavs, it looked pretty certain that the Lakers would be in that 4-5 kind of matchup with Denver. And, well, so the, the Clippers have suddenly lost two in a row. The Nuggets continue to win. And those teams are now tied in the loss column at 21. And there is there is a chance now that the Lakers either get the Clippers in the 4-5 or in the 6-3. And I do think that they would prefer probably to get the Nuggets, just given Jamal Murray's injury uh, and even to an extent Will Barton's. And, and I shouldn't say the Lakers. Like maybe I should say those supporters, people following the Lakers, if they're not being as specific about it but that to me is going to be really interesting now and in each one of these games that we're going to see Darius is going to have implications as to exactly what that matchup is going to be and some of the first round opponents for the Lakers again it does seem to be it's going to be either the Clippers or the Nuggets there's going to be at least some part of that where uh where like they they need to be a little bit more tuned up than they have been lately yes or a lot more (laughs) 100% agree And I think that that sort of speaks to some of the conversation we had on the last pod, right, where Pete was talking about his internal clock and the idea of getting closer to what you want them to be now, particularly because this last batch of regular season games are not quite as low stakes as the seeding games from last season. And the ability... To sort of a influence your seating and b prepare yourself for what's going to be a very tough first round opponent. I think even if the Lakers got Denver, hundred percent, Denver's good. Nikola Jokic is. I'm, I'm. I mean, there's been some clamoring for Chris Paul, right? Um, but Jokic has basically been at the top of the MVP conversation for about the last four to six weeks. Whether or not he wins the award to me is less relevant than the fact that he's clearly been one of the top two or three players in over the course of the full season. Anytime you get in a series with one of those guys, especially a, like a big man, right? And a big man who can impact the game in so many ways offensively that Jokic can. And just being big allows you to have a certain level of impact defensively as well, that being small does not afford you, right? Like Mike, you talked about um, the Blazers a lot last season and this season, and just sort of spoke about sort of the limitations and the ceiling that exists on players like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum to impact the game defensively, right? Because they're 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", size guys. Well, if you're seven feet, you can be by the basket and just basically be disruptive to a certain extent. It doesn't mean you're going to be a stopper. It doesn't mean you're going to be Joel Embiid or Rudy Gobert or Anthony Davis. But shooting over the top of a seven-foot dude is much different than shooting over the top of a small guard. And so like to talk a little bit longer here, the first-round opponent stuff is an interesting thing to me. So that's the thing. Like, And, and maybe this is the – 
this is arrogance on my own part, but I take the team at face value when they say like, we don't really care. And if we focus on what we're doing, we're going to be okay. And nobody wants to see us in a series. And that's the point in time where we're at now, how that goes will certainly impact whether we play the Clippers or Denver. And I have a ton of respect for Denver, but of course, like they're down one of their main guys. They are obviously the preferable opponent to, to the Clippers. Right. And that said though, I'm not worrying about either team at this point. Like a team is playing a certain caliber of ball at any particular time we were talking in the last episode about the washington team right they're at the 10th seed in the east but they've been playing good ball over the last month or so and that is something that kind of shifts over the course of a season from how you know the capabilities of a team we are playing right now some of our the low end of what we're capable of we're disjointed we're a little slow all of the things that go into being a big team that's without their primary shot creator. We're exhibiting a lot of the why a team like that can be bad, especially when they're not locked in on the defensive end. Our job is to build up to that next point. Now, obviously, LeBron is the guy on a roster where we've, we've talked about this before, but I think this roster is more geared toward being weapons for LeBron than whereas last year it had more parts that were their own thing that LeBron was less LeBron is more responsible for the decision-making of this team. I think than he was for last, last season's team. And so I think certain things click into place just as a natural function of that. But when I think of starting points of this upcoming ramp up, it is focus and communication. Communication especially is I think Mike, Somewhere where LeBron's leadership and on the court and the talking and in order for that mega front line of him, AD and Drummond to work, they've got to talk and really be on the same page. I'm curious from all of your your years of being on the court and being able to hear these guys, that's a big difference from from being at games versus watching it on TV is how does a guy like LeBron communicate and get us back in? Because that's such a big part of being a cohesive team. And I think that LeBron's communication skills are really going to be key for us coming up. No question. And I think the, the best way to understand this in the current context of the team is that when you ask Frank Vogel about LeBron, oftentimes one of the earlier parts of one of the first things that he mentions is his defensive communication. And if you're not there, and, and sure, sometimes you can get this courtside, but even there, it's it's a little bit tough to pick up exactly what's going on. That's why it's important to also hear what, what the people are saying, what the coach is saying, what the players are saying. So LeBron is literally calling out the other team's actions on the court. And there are other guys that can do that, for sure. But nobody does it with the same confidence, and nobody does it with the same level of, okay, he's speaking, I'm listening. And LeBron's also pretty good about not getting to, you know, not just completely yelling at guys like he will. And in, in that, in that has a place, but he's able to just sort of bark out the communication and bark out the orders. And that props everybody else up. It props up the defense. I think that that was the key to the start of last season. Like it wasn't so much just that they got Anthony Davis and the defense was fixed. It was that 
Anthony Davis came that to a degree helped LeBron get engaged and that whole stereotype of LeBron not playing defense in the regular season, which was way overdone, by the way, in Cleveland. Like it did happen in spots, but for the most part, um, it was the numbers bear this out. He was still a terrific defender. And that part of the communication, I think, is important. The other part is in the film room and just at practice, like all of the in the elevator, all of the other areas. Anytime that these guys are around LeBron, that's where a lot of that communication comes out. And I think that they did a nice job of replicating it at first when LeBron, well, not at first when LeBron was out, about a week after. And I think Marcus Gasol stepped in a little bit. Like Wesley Matthews was playing really good defense off the bench with Caruso. So they have some other guys that are capable, but LeBron is still at the top of that pyramid. And I think that that's, uh, that'll, that will be an immediate effect when he does come back. I hope. That's what I'm hoping. Right. That's been your refrain is I hope so. Yeah. Like you, you know, I'm, I'm very Shawshank. I am, I am Andy talking to red here. Right. It's just like, hope is a good thing. Right. So when I say I hope it's not me trying to be pessimistic, it's, it's, it's me sort of looking for that light because I said this the last pod, but we know how good this team can be getting there is a process And Pete, you've argued that where the team is right now is a step in that process to sort of get back there. And LeBron coming back is going to be another step in that process. How LeBron sort of wrangles this group is going to be another step. And how that group comes together and starts to perform on the court is, is going to be very important win or lose in terms of bringing them together to the point where on such a short runway that they have the ability to start to channel some of those those levels that are at the higher range, right, Pete? Because you were talking about what we've seen from them right now has been at the lower range. Um, there is, there's just a lot that this team needs to do in sort of a short amount of time to me. And it's like when you were in college, right? And you've been going to class maybe 80% of the time and you got a gist of exactly what's going on. And finals are in two weeks and you got to start to pull yourself together a little bit if you really want to do as well on that final exam. Because if you save it for the last night, right? If you're in your dorm room, you, you know, basically snorting no dose to, to, to be able to stay up and cram, it's likely not going to end as well for you. And so the Lakers do have a runway here. It's not as long as I think that they would like, but they seem to be comfortable with the length of this runway and feel like as fighter jets, right? Like that they don't need a long runway. They can get off and get into the air and be ready for a battle just off the aircraft carrier. You know why? Because LeBron is in the fraternity that's got the printouts of the answers. Sure. The test. Okay? Sure. That's sure. why. LeBron's got the answers already. He does, but uh, like there are there are specific things that they need to do, right? It's it's more it's more that he's got the treasure map, right? Than he's got the the answers to the test. We're all over with the analogies today, but like there are certain things that have to happen to raise the caliber of play that a team plays as a, again, we, we think of these guys as collection of, of 
attributes and talents, but there's a cohesiveness that we've been talking about that's lacking, that this is the period of time that they have the opportunity to build as as much of it as possible during this period of time. It's not as good as it, it it's it will not be as good as it was last year because they had a, had a whole season. That- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. They had all this time off to rest their bodies and their minds and then get back to it. And then they were together, right? They were all in the same location for 90 plus days. All of that builds cohesion, if nothing else. And that that ability for a team to really come together. That runway is different, absolutely. But they're going to have to take certain steps in order to do that. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's get further into like, what does that look like? Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Starting with that defensive communication, right, from LeBron, that I think is going to be especially important to seeing that mega lineup that we've been hypothesizing on and we've seen in fragments so far only really makes sense in with LeBron involved as well. But they're going to have to take some steps in order to become more cohesive on – 
to become cohesive at all as a trio in particular, because the reason why big lineups, Darius, haven't played the reason why big lineups have been decreasing throughout the last several years of the NBA is they can't cover the perimeter. They can't make those rotations. And so when LeBron is calling out the one thing that with what Mike was saying about calling out what the other team is doing, the other thing that he does is he does it a split second before anybody else does too. He's not the only guy in the league that does that. It's one of the reasons why Rondo being on the Clippers, if we face them in the playoffs, he's going to know what we do and and a lot of what we uh, like in our tendencies. So that'll be interesting. But anyway, that whole like, okay, this team's in this set. They're running this play. You go over there. You're directing traffic. AD does this too, by the way. That's part of the reason why our defense can be so dynamic but lebron does it before before anybody does and that is one of the ways that i think that we can bridge that natural andre drummond is 280 and maybe a step slower than if anthony davis is at the five right to a closeout on the perimeter i'm curious your thoughts on how can that trio in particular get the best out of themselves on the defensive end look i think lebron definitely has the ability to sort of bring that group together in in a way that no other player on this roster can defensively LeBron is when he's at his best and this is all assuming good health and that he's performing in the 90 percentile of of what he can be physically right um he has the ability to play sideline to sideline and every gap in between those two sidelines at an elite level. And it's one thing to have two very big humans like Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond sort of patrolling the area of 18 feet and in, right? AD can go out to 23 or 25 feet, right? Drummond can do that sometimes, but not all of the time. And he can be a bit handsy, so he reaches. A little bit and that sort of gambling aspect to his defense can both be exhilarating and frustrating on any given possession and that's sort of the roller coaster that is Andre Drummond. LeBron though is like Anthony Davis right but he is in his own way even more physically imposing because he is more wing sized but he is like there's very few players in the league like him Maybe the only guy I can actually think of is a guy like Zion to a certain extent, where it's just like this dude is in front of you now. And it's sort of like, oh, oh, no. (laughs) Like, what am I going to do? Zion inspires that when he's on offense. LeBron can inspire that on both ends of the floor. I have seen this dude chop his steps, close out on a dude, and that dude be like, yeah, guess what? I'm passing. Yeah, those are his I call those his stampede closeouts, right? Because you can you can hear the foot chops, right? And you can even in players are scared of him, right, Pete? Oh, 100%. 100%. That's that part of the intimidation factor. It's that that I am it's that declaration that I am the superior athlete and I know that and you know that and so let's skip all the pleasantries and just swing the ball. There is a bit of anxiousness that he can inspire in a guy who has the ball when he is locked in. And and having that dude be sort of the pivot point for two other massive humans to navigate around is crazy, right? And it's one of the reasons why, like, 
last season, the like when LeBron, Dwight, and Caruso were on the floor together, it was it was a very sort of similar dynamic, right? Because you have LeBron playing sideline to sideline, you had Dwight basically playing 15 feet and in, and then you had Caruso, who is his own version of like I'm running around out there like Steve Atwater. <laughs> That's right. Our 80s, 80s free safety for those of you, 80s, 90s free safety. Yeah. So running around out there like <laughs> like Steve Atwater and, and and just willing to stick his nose in there. And and it doesn't matter if I'm going to fall down. It doesn't matter if I'm going to get clipped on on a screen. I am going out there 150 miles miles per hour, but with a semblance of control as well. Right. LeBron's ability defensively is, I think, going to be that center spoke in the middle of the wheel that everything sort of rotates around. And it would not surprise me if we start to see lineups that have the potential versatility of a Dennis, KCP, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Drummond lineup can be devastating to teams with their ability to play fast but a key part of that, Pete, is going to still be Anthony Davis. Can he chase around the perimeter while still being as disruptive 15 feet and in? And that's an open question to me right now. When he's at his best, I think he can, can be. But that's like, that's a, as, as weird as it sounds because Anthony Davis is so good, that's a potential breaking point to me. Not because of Anthony Davis's individual weakness, but like, the hey be everywhere but but chase a shooter and now help Andre Drummond and now close out again and it's like don't give up a driving kick and it's like oh my goodness he needs to be everywhere well, you know why most teams don't play that trapping and scrambling style that we did game six versus Miami right that where we're just flying all, all over the place our style of defense most teams don't play that way because they don't have Steve Atwaters that are going to be leading the league in interceptions right and they don't have multiple guys like you need to have a certain type of personnel for the whole idea to work in the first place and my biggest red flag so the the thing over the last few pods, we've been addressing red flags and what's real and how much time do they have to ramp up. And there, there are two things that I'm looking for that I think everything else clicks into place. Three things, right? One is LeBron's uh, a, a return to full physical health for LeBron, right? Let's take that as a given, knock on wood. The other two is Anthony Davis hasn't looked special physically at any point this season. And he's such a wonderfully skilled player that he can produce and he can have a 14-point fourth quarter against the Wizards, and his scoring has gone up in every game since he's returned. He can get points, but there's a certain level of disruption, and I know he had multiple steals and blocks against Washington, but that's not really Anthony Davis at his best. It's I, I always think of the play in game six where Duncan Robinson came around that screen, and he took away both Robinson's shot as he came off of the screen and Robinson's dump down to Adebayo, right? And so he took away plan A and plan B, which there are just a handful of guys on the planet that can... Uh, was it Dragic? No, no, no. Yeah, this yeah. we're talking about different plays. You're talking about the oh, one where Danny Green gave him back pressure. I'm talking about uh, Robinson coming off of an off-ball screen. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so AD got his hand up, challenged the shot against a big shooter, didn't let him have that. That big shooter made the exact right read at the exact right time, and it didn't matter because a great defensive player was still that step ahead. And so there's a certain amount of mental sharpness that I think comes with playing time and experience that AD is going to get back to that that place. I'm more nervous about the physical aspects of that, right? Because I think that AD has to be able to be able to physically explode and change directions and jump and do all of these athletic things that I haven't seen from him this year. Mike, I don't know if there's anything you can, you know, any insight you can give on on his health or things like that. But one of the things that that you said a few times with AD was like, we took a little longer to make sure that it was that he was right when he was coming back, right? That it wasn't him coming back at 75%, but like that we're going to get a AD back, right? I have some level of concern about that explosiveness. Is is that expected to return? Is that what's a reasonable timeline on that? I think that's why we've seen the four games that the Lakers played since he's been back. They've gone how they've gone. Because I think that that's what's that's where he's holding back some is and that's the part that that just takes game reps. And so I guess here here's the point of this. The playoffs is when that, that has to be there, I think. And so it's it might be there right now, but I don't think that he wants to go to it. I don't think he wants to call upon that, like go to the maximum possible speed in the car until he really has to. And I think we might see a little bit more every game. And that's so far it's been relatively consistent. It's not like he's he's gotten completely better each game physically that he that he's looked, but I do think that that part is there. And as that gets, as we get closer to money time, I think that there is the chance that we're going to see that full on AD or at least close to it. And that's, and that's what they need. Like they don't need him to be with thanks to LeBron James being on the team. I don't think they need him to be the exact same player that he was in the bubble to win a title this year, based on what the opponents are. And that's why I I think it's, as we get into this pod, we can discuss some of that in the context of these, of these other teams, but I don't see a super team out there where you can't win with AD being the eighth best player in the league instead of the third best player uh, or the second best player that he might've been in the postseason. But, and that's, that's me building in some, some leniency, some, some availability for him to grow and not be able to fully get to that, player that just because of course guys he hasn't played the whole season he's missed the last couple months he's not going to be at 100 percent peak but he, i think of he can course. get close to it he can get close to it i think is the point can i ask you both a question how much of personnel groupings how much do you think personnel groupings contribute to this or not because we just talked about the potential of a lebron drummond ad front court sort of being this really big and imposing group that makes things hard for teams based off of a unique ability to sort of play out to the three three-point line while also being just a devastatingly difficult team to handle in the interior and I think that's for Vogel I think that matters more defensively than offensively but offensively I think he's looking for that too but that's going to come in in different ways ad he's been used so much more as a helper this year and like 
at, because he's been playing much more as a forward, right? I want to say, how many minutes, Pete, just an estimate, and I don't have it in front of me, and I don't have the metrics, unfortunately. How big of a percentage of AD's minutes last year do you think came at center? Oh, thirty uh, percent. It would. Yeah, it was. He would usually play that shift at the end of the first quarter, and then at the end of the really at the end of every quarter, right? We'd play that that one lineup where Rondo would be at point and he'd be at the five at the end of the first, and then our closing lineup, right, which was usually without Javale, usually without Dwight and AD at the five. So those were usually the stretches. Yeah. So like, let's say two two and a half minutes every game at the end of the first second and third quarters right so that's already seven minutes almost eight minutes and then potentially upwards of eight minutes at the end of every game right anywhere from four to eight minutes right for most games so you're looking at potentially anywhere from 12 to 16 minutes of his 35 minute load every night were played at center i would venture to guess that fewer than 10% of AD's minutes this season have actually been played at center. And we talked about the Washington game where, where he really started to look like himself is when he was the lone big man on the court. And AD, when he's in the center of the action, not like center position, but in the center of the action defensively, I almost feel like his spider sense gets turned up to like 12 Mm -hmm. right because he is now sort of like i don't know if you guys are familiar with like the matrix movies but Mm -hmm. the third mate in the very last of the matrix trilogy Uh, i don't remember that one as well (laughs) well there's this scene neo gets basically his eyes get burned and he can no longer see and then he ends up in this scene and he can still sense everything and he sees everything in like vivid color but he's technically blind ad i feel like is sort of like that he is in the middle of the action and it does not matter what is going on around him if it's not in his line of sight he has a sense of everything that's go going on oh he's a brilliant defensive player he knows he understands defense on a fundamental level absolutely and, and he has elite instincts and elite reactions and when you combine instincts and reactions you get a level of performance that can be otherworldly and i think that that gets played to most when he is in the middle of the frame defensively. And Mm -hmm. I'll be very interested guys to see how much Vogel goes back to that idea, knowing that two of his main other rotation contributors in Drummond and Trez are also centers, right? And, And it's a tricky balance that I think isn't going to be worked out just because LeBron comes back. But I do think LeBron plays a role in this too. Just a quick thought on this though. I think it's a really good sign that Vogel went to it nonetheless. And it, because I think there was the chance where we just hadn't seen it and maybe they'll just kind of keep playing the centers and AD will play the four. But the fact that Frank already went to it even before LeBron was there is encouraging because to me, it still remains a, if you ask opposing coaches, and Pete, remember back to when I asked Steve Nash about this, that remains the thing that opposing teams fear the most, and for good reason. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and they should. And to me, that is one of several bits of evidence that suggests to me that we've essentially wrapped AD in bubble wrap for a good portion of the season. I think a big part of why he hasn't gone to that and we we think of Mark and Trez and Drummond, and there's already this glut of like, those guys are good. They have every reason to expect to be rotation players, to be starters in the NBA. And so can we even go to Anthony Davis without pissing a couple of guys off? Like, no, but that's part of the deal. I would be surprised if we don't go to it a little bit more during the playoffs than we did during the regular season, certainly. I don't think we'll go to it as much as we did last season in the playoffs because I do think that the positive attributes that our fives – I think our fives are better this year as individual talents. But when it comes to an individual series, how we match up with the team, I think we've been more cultivating different styles of play while preserving Anthony Davis's health and that him as a help defender and all of that like that's keeping him from not banging with you know 250 pound dudes in the post and all of the the physical toll that can come with that so mike let me ask you this then because i think this is a nice bridge to some of the standing stuff that we wanted to get into here the west now seems more big man heavy at the top of the conference right so ibaka has been hurt for the Clippers, and that has elevated Zubots back into the starting role. And Zubots now looks like he is not eager at all to surrender that starting role once Ibaka yeah, gets back. Nor should he be. Right? And you've got now the Suns catapulting from outside of the playoff picture to now at one of the top teams in the conference. They have DeAndre Ayton, Rudy Gobert, like he plays for the Jazz, you've got Jokic and, and big dudes, a lot of big guys, a lot of big guys now. And there's going to be a push and pull a little bit, right? Because part of the strategy of playing against those guys is, well, the Lakers have Anthony Davis. They can play AD at the five. They can draw those big guys away from the hoop and they can then change the geometry on the court, Right in order to positively impact the Lakers. The flip side of that is, though, is Pete, your bubble wrap comment of like, yeah, so guess what? AD, you get to like bang against Ivica Zubats for 30 minutes this game. And then Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Ayton, and, right? And Nikola Jokic and on and on and on it goes every round. Potentially, there's another guy that he's going to have to deal with. And I think that the big guys the Lakers have are insurance for that. Right. And so there's a push and pull there that uh, that I don't know how it's going to go. Um, but it's lurking out there as a thing that I'm I'm just interested to, to know what the choices are going to be or what decisions are going to be made with the uh, with the choices that that are at hand. I'm going to attempt, if I can, to just reject the premise slightly. And this is a bigger picture. This is a bigger thing about when you go small at the center. So as long as it's not the first and third, the start of the first and third quarters, generally speaking, if you go small, and this is, goes for the Lakers or some other team, more often than not, the other team just matches you and goes small back. And therefore, when AD is at the center, a lot of times he's not playing against those big dudes. Right. They can't sit on the floor against him. Yeah, because they can't stay on the floor. So he's not really banging a ton. 
round after round after round. And now I do think a flip side to this, if I were another team, I might just say, you know what? We're going to keep Zubats on the floor. And if we get hurt some, because you guys are getting some open looks and AD's shooting jumpers over the top, or you're getting some open threes because of rotation, that's fine. But we're still going to take away the rim from you. And no team, either because of personnel last year in the postseason, was equipped to really do it that well. The Heat didn't really have that guy, that true big center. The Nuggets didn't have that guy because Jokic isn't a rim protector for being at the center. Uh, the Rockets didn't have that guy literally on the roster. They didn't even have a big. And Portland didn't really have that guy because Nurkic wasn't quite Nurkic. And same thing. He's not big and quick enough. So that is, that's the thing that I, I, where I think the Lakers could be slightly susceptible is if a team figured out a way to actually keep that big on the floor and not get hurt by it. And whether that's Zoo or Rudy Gobert, and in, in the past, the Lakers have played those guys off the floor because I think coaches, Pete, and this is kind of going to be my question back to you. You guys are both great at thinking like coaches. Coaches just don't seem willing to take that risk because it's just it just looks bad sometimes when you have that center being manipulated. And maybe it's not tenable. So, I, like, that's what's curious to me. Can Ty Lue or Quinn Snyder um, or I don't think Denver has the guy still, so I'm not really worried about it in that matchup. But could those guys – let's just – okay, let's focus on the Clippers for a sec. Could the Clippers find a way to really just keep Zoo on the floor? I think so, but they'd have to be working on it throughout the season. That's been, I've been so fascinated by the Lakers approach in a, like, again, this is not necessarily how I would do it. It's just my observation is that they have really worked on things throughout the season that is almost because they did this last year. Remember, Darius, we were like, God, why are they posting up Anthony Davis? This is not working. We're losing these games down the stretch. And we saw some of the benefits of that come playoff time. I think that they circle a few different aspects of the team and say, we're going to really emphasize working on this throughout the regular season. And I think that's accentuated in a year where they don't have very many actual practice times right and so that's been such a fascinating part when i did that long thread on dallas's pick and rolls the thing that that really caught my attention was was like oh i'm pretty sure we're working on this because if in a playoff series the way that i've seen vogel approach it it's not this steady diet of a single coverage over and over and over again i guess he even said in his comments either pregame or postgame like you got to give him different looks and but the reality of the tape was like no we were just we were blitzing him with drummond pretty much every time and so there are these certain aspects that i think we work on you know how mark will be def- switched onto a guy on the perimeter and then all of a sudden, a double team will come over onto the wing, right? We'll we'll double team a guy. We did this throughout a decent portion of the year. We've done this with Drummond a little bit as well, although I think we trust him to hold his own a little more on a switch on the perimeter. But the point is, is that if the Clippers wanted to do that with Zoo, I haven't watched enough games of theirs. I'd love to hear if a, if a Clipper fan listens to this, if it's like, oh, actually, we have been working on this. But if... In order to do that, one of the advances, I suppose, in defense to get more bigs on the floor over the last couple of years is to keep them on the perimeter and then get yourself into rotation with a trap or something that alleviates that the scram when you scram a screen, right, which is when you switch off of the ball to make sure it's not a big little switch. There are all of these like tricks that coaches use to resolve that exact question. I've got this big guy who's really valuable and Zoo's a wonderful rim protector and he's really good at 
finishing around the basket and just is an overall physical presence, gives us a physical presence on this team that's valuable. How do I keep them on the floor in a league where it's so difficult for those guys to get off? NBA coaches have been trying to figure that question out for the last several years with varying degrees of success. And so the long-winded answer to that question is, yes, they can do that, but they have to be really good in rotation and they have to have been working on that all season. I would argue that in rotation situations, we have a big advantage over the Clippers due to our athleticism, size and athleticism, right? Scramble situations always go to the athlete. Half court setup, the Clippers have an advantage over us if everybody's stationary, everyone's in a precise half court set because they're more skilled than we are. But if we can get them into that type of game, I I ultimately don't think that that's a winning formula for them to do that. But if they did, I think they'd have to be working on it all year. We'll see. When it comes to a Clippers matchup, I'm much more interested in the decisions that Vogel makes in terms of lineup construction. Oh, 100%. This is a big part. Right. Like we could we can make we've talked so much about like having all of the tools for different situations, but if we make the wrong decision, we have some lineups that very much do not work together against a particular type of opponent. Well, also too, it's like <clears throat> they start Zubots. The Lakers do they continue to start Drummond? If they do, then I feel like that plays into that idea of being able to keep Zubats on the floor, Mike. And then you do have that big sort of lurking, if not right underneath the basket, then tagging his own man in the dunker spot in, in, in order to stay out of illegal defense, right? And then AD is then being guarded by who, who like Marcus Morris potentially or whoever is starting at power forward for them. And, and so maybe you do go to AD in the post against Morris a little bit more, but if Zubat is underneath the basket, then, then that maybe eliminates his driving lanes, right? Because big to big help is right there waiting for you. And then potentially in pick and roll action with LeBron and AD or even LeBron and, and Drummond, you may still have just too many big bodies that are there if they're playing a traditional drop and they're not going to want to switch as much. And then potentially when the Lakers go quote unquote small, right? Then and it's AD at center, maybe they match up with Ibaka against him and that's advantage Lakers still right? But it's the Clippers now still have a guy who is comfortable playing out on the floor a little bit more. And the Clippers are doing the same thing to the Lakers that the Lakers are purporting to do against their opponent, right? Because they are also then playing five out lineups and they are drawing away the center. One of the things that made the Lakers so successful when AD was at center last year is that they did not play a lot of teams or any team except for the Rockets, which played a center in terms of like Russell Westbrook, right? Because he was not an outside threat. So AD was almost always able to guard a player who was not as much of an outside threat when he was playing center. Yes, he had to defend Jokic, but Jokic is still split maybe 60-40, right? Or 70-30 between 70% in the post or at the high post elbow area and 30% above the break as a three-point shooter or a floor spacer. But Bam, Nurkic, um, 
Whiteside, right? A lot of these guys, AD got to camp inside. And, and so when you start to look at the matchups, moving AD to center against some of these bigger dudes like a Zubots or a Gobert or even a Jokic, that could help facilitate more things for the Lakers on both sides of the ball, but it then starts to remove pieces from their rotation that I think Vogel actually wants to play. He, he, I think he wants to play Drummond. He wants to play Trez. And maybe that, maybe that desire goes down during the playoffs. If those guys are taking things off of the table and, and he wants more stability in the front court, but Again, that push and pull is something that I'm very interested in seeing where Vogel's head is at because I, I don't think we've been able to get a lot of hints at that this season. Yeah, I still think what's most likely is that he will play big to start like he did for every series except for Houston, which was a very atypical team. Uh, so it's going to be Drummond. And then certain matchups, it's going to be Harold against the second unit. Certain matchups, if the other team has a big shot blocker in their second unit, like when Ibiza Zubats was playing backup center, then I would much rather have Marcus All um, on the floor than Harold. But other than that, it's going to be Drummond. And then crunch time, AD at the five. Like, I still think that's the most simple formula. It's the one that it's tried and true. It's the one that then makes the Clippers go small with you. And then, all right, we're sending LeBron to the rim. That still, to me, remains the, the greatest attack the Lakers have is screen roll, Anthony Davis, set a screen, LeBron, have a pat to the, limb, uh, to the rim. Good luck, Kawhi or Paul George or whoever the weak side guy is. To, when LeBron really wants to get to the rim, like that's still, to me, the special sauce of this team. And I, I just think... The way the standings are shaping up, guys, we may end up seeing this in round one. You know, I, like Denver still probably most likely, but uh, I don't know. Like Kawhi's out. Denver's not losing. Like, you know, it could be it could be Clippers, Lakers, four or five. Mike, just in terms of a quick X's and O's thing, too, is that when the Lakers sort of tempt you to go small, what ends up happening is those those defenses then switch more. Right. And so the Lakers won't even put LeBron and AD in a pick and roll together. They will send AD to the corner and then LeBron starts to run pick and roll with wings and guards and, and hunting the most, the weakest defender on the weakest perimeter defender on the other team. And then he's playing cat and mouse with the big man who is helping, who is guarding AD. Like, can I beat you to the front of the rim? And oftentimes LeBron has won that battle. The common thread through all of those attacks is that it happens on the perimeter, right? The idea is to spread a team out. And I ultimately agree that AD at the five is the best thing that we have going. But I also think that AD at the four is going to happen in a different way than it did last year. And that's primarily because of Drummond's passing ability, right? And it's, this could extend to Mark as well. Obviously, Mark's a better passer than Drummond. But you've seen us run a lot of those horn sets where we've got are you know the the two bigs on the elbows and you couldn't do that as much with JaVale or Dwight because they didn't have the passing ability that Drummond has so just from a basketball concept standpoint the idea is to lift the defense right and that helps improve your spacing and so Drummond having skills on the elbow I think is going to allow us to be effective and get effective spacing in ways that we weren't able to with lesser passing bigs last year. I'm really looking forward to seeing what that looks like. I do think this ramp up is coming soon. Um, and, and I think that that LeBron coming back is really going to be the start of that. So, you know, fingers crossed for good health, but really excited about this period of time. I hope everybody has a great weekend. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. 
We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tap to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.